I said I was all right. Are you listening to me? Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm all right. But for how long? If we're going to beat this thing, we need those pages. Then let's head down into that cellar and carve ourselves a witch. Groovy. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of My Bloody Podcast. We're here. It's April time, and this is no April Fool's joke, by the way. We are doing the legendary, the amazing, the incomparable, and the most groovy horror movie of all time today. Surprise, we haven't done it. Evil Dead 2. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the host with the most, the man who rides with me with the boomstick, with the chainsaw hand, with the groovy one-liners, Preston Barta. How are you, sir? Doing well. Speaking to you straight out of the workshed. Straight out of the workshed. I have some comments about that, by the way, that'll make you laugh. Uh, It'll be good. Uh, Straight out of the workshed. Oh, yeah, we're talking about Evil Dead 2 today. Um, Preston and I had the pleasure of watching Evil Dead 2 again in the theater, courtesy of the Alamo Draft House in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You saw it at the Denton Alamo Draft House. I saw it at the Cedars in downtown Dallas Alamo Draft House. It was a party because sometimes when the Alamo Draft House, they just don't do a screening. They just don't do a movie screen. They do a party screening where you can talk about the movie, you can yell out lines, you get fun, you know, groovy props like the Necronomicon notebook or eyeballs or even a little chainsaw, little, what is this called? Like a little foam hand thing? Yeah, yeah, a little foam cutout chainsaw. Foam cutout chainsaw. It says groovy on it in Alamo Drafthouse. It's super fun. So it had been a little while since I had seen Evil Dead 2 in the theater. You know, I try to watch Evil Dead 2 a couple times a year because it's just amazing. And if you know me, Brian Kluger, Boomstick Comics, I am, I just love Bruce Campbell in Army of Darkness, Evil Dead, all of that stuff. It's part of my life, basically. So you are the Evil Dead. I am the Evil Dead. Just like Preston said, he ain't lying. He ain't lying. So uh, we're going to talk about Evil Dead 2 um, today. And we're going to talk about our experience at the Alamo Draft House, uh, watching the movie. Uh, first, Evil Dead 2, if you're not familiar with, this movie was released in March 13th, 1987. I was five years old. Uh, Preston, I don't even know, was a glimmer in his parents' eye yet. No, no. Three three years later, I'd come to the earth, so I was swirling around somewhere. He, he was. <laughs> he was swirling around somewhere. Oh, boy. We'll get into that later, too. Uh, of course, directed by Sam Raimi, written by Raimi and Scott Spiegel. 
produced by Rob Tappert and starring, of course, Bruce Campbell, Dan Hicks, Sarah Barry, Cassie Wesley, and Richard Domier. Cinematography by Peter Deming. And music by the amazing Joseph Loduca. So this movie, Evil Dead 2. So Evil Dead 1 that uh, Sam Raimi did, the first one back in 1981, you know, was just like a first thing of its kind. It was just released upon the public. Everybody was talking about it. Stephen King came out and was like, this is the most grueling terror I've ever seen. This is crazy. And so after that, uh, Sam Raimi and crew and his co-partners, Bruce Campbell and everybody was like, let's do a comedy movie called Crime Wave. And it was terrible. Nobody liked it. And so basically the the producer, the head of the uh, people, the head of the studio, uh, Irvin Shapiro and Dino De Laurentiis were like, you got to you got to make a sequel to Evil Dead, too. So what happened was Sam Raimi and everybody came back and they kind of redid Evil Dead, too. They kind of rebooted it before reboots were a thing. And they added Sam Raimi's now iconic comedy style of Three Stooges into Evil Dead. Uh, and they had a bigger budget, but it's the same story. And of course, that's where we get into it. So Preston, do we want to talk about Alamo first or do we want to talk about the movie first? Uh, let's talk about the movie first. All right, the movie first. So, of course, how we like to start these things. We like we like to get a little nostalgic here. We like to shoot nostalgia yeah. all over everybody and our faces combined. When did you first see Evil Dead 2? And out of Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 2, what was the first one you came into? And when did you see Evil Dead 2? So, my introduction to the Evil Dead franchise was through my friend, Chance Maggard, who was my... He was my best man at my wedding, and we still stay in contact and hang out regularly. Um, he was a he was a big, or still is a big Bruce Campbell fan, and so he he and I watched all of them together, and we started with the first one. So I was in high school when I when I saw all the films. I really enjoyed all of them. I think Army is my favorite out of all of them. I. But I love Evil Dead 2. So, yeah, I really, you, I really, I really enjoy this one. You and I are in the minority of that because I've talked with a few people. I told them I was going to see Evil Dead 2. Yeah. And they always say Evil Dead 2 is the best one. And I'm just like, is it? I think Army of Darkness is better. So it's. Ha yeah. I'm glad to see that you say Army of Darkness is better because it is. But we're not talking about Army of Darkness today. We're talking yeah. about Evil Dead 2. We, are we did that. We did that already. We did that already. Uh, Evil Dead 2. So how I got introduced into this franchise, I had a friend uh, named Ben, who I was in acting school with and modeling school with, you know, former Husky model here. What's up? <laughs> Still got them jeans somewhere. Still got them windbreakers. Hell yeah. Uh, and... I remember he was kind of my conduit into a ton of horror movies. And so he showed me Army of Darkness first back in like when it came out, like like right when it was first released on video, he showed me Army of Darkness. And that, again, like I said, I've yeah. talked about it. It changed my life. And so once I watched that, he was like, we got to go to the video store right now and get Evil Dead 2. So we went 
Yep, Evil Dead 2. Right. That VHS tape. God damn it, Preston, in your VHS collection. <laughs> uh, we got Evil Dead 2 in like, you know, in the 1992-1993 is where I first saw it. And so that was, I was 11 or 12 years old. And watching Evil Dead 2, so I went in reverse order. Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 2, and Evil Dead 1. So mm-hmm. Evil Dead 2, I was like, okay, this is amazing. I got to see how... Ashley J. Williams, Bruce Campbell became who he was in Army of Darkness, the movie I like fell in love with instantly. And it was so I loved it. So that was the first time watching it. It was on VHS. It was at my parents' house. I was 11 or 12 years old with my friend Ben. And I I mean, I think we just watched that over and over again. And then I watched Evil Dead One and I was like, oh man, I love this too. I mean, it's more serious. But Evil Dead 2 just has that silliness factor that's just so chef's kiss. And uh, I loved it. I loved it. And so, you know, since 11 or 12 years old, I watch Evil Dead. I watch Evil Dead 2. I watch Army of Darkness at least two or three times each a year. And it brings me joy. It's like, and it's still, very few movies have this, like only like a couple but it's almost like the first time watching it all over again, like Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2 have for me. Like, I just like, yeah. I get giddy again. I like, I, I'm excited. I laugh out loud the same. Like, I don't know. Do you have that? Do you have that feeling? Oh, yeah. It's it's almost like even if you're watching the movie by yourself, it's almost like you're stepping into a seat right next to your younger selves or whoever you were watching it with at the time. So in your case... It may feel like I'm watching it with Ben again, even though I'm just, you know, 30 years later watching this by myself in my house or or in our case, going to to our to the theater to see it at the Alamo Draft House with our significant others. Um, it's it, it does kind of there, there are certain movies that that have that effect. So, yeah, watching it again, it just kind of takes me back to me and my friend chance like looking at each other during a really funny moment and just it's just creating there's there's it's one of those movies that where so many great things happen in it happen in it like a funny moment or a funny line or just this really bizarre thing this camera technique there's just like as you grow up you start to notice different things and it's just memory after memory there and so when you're watching it again you're kind of going through the rolodex of all these different memories all these different viewing experiences and that's just what makes it special it's like caking on uh or putting on another layer of uh of greatness uh along the way so yeah it it, it has that effect for sure it does it does and so okay so getting into evil dead 2 and what it is you have to talk about evil dead 1 a little bit because in evil dead 1 sam raimi and co bruce campbell rob tappert his brothers ted raimi everybody they were in college they were making this low budget movie together they're having fun they're in the middle of the woods and in a horror movie some a lot of horror movies things take a little bit of time to really get going. So in Evil Dead 1, group of friends, group of four, like two couples and Bruce Campbell's uh, in in movie sister, Ash's sister, they go to a cabin in the woods for the weekend and have a good time. And you get to see kind of like them having fun and things happening. And it's not till like 30, 40 minutes in the movie is where shit really gets real. 
to quote to quote bad boys there um and then all hell breaks loose and it's bloody it's violent it's serious the camera angles are great and so that happens everybody dies in the first one it's ambiguous if Bruce Campbell died in it but it's implied that he did and so they make this sequel they have a bigger budget and they don't they have Bruce Campbell and his girlfriend go into the cabin and then meanwhile there's this story about the Necronomicon of how it's found and who's finding it and um stuff like that so it's not two couples and a sister it's one couple and the action starts like within three minutes of the movie like it gets going like there's no lollygagging whatsoever right no no not not really at all i i it there's just parts in the middle that we'll get to where it what's fun about the about this film in particular is it feels like they were almost writing it as they went. Like they had some <laughs> starting points um, here, but that's kind of the fun of it all too. Like it feels a little rusty, but it also feels kind of calculated simultaneously. So that's just kind of the fun energy of it. Yeah, it almost feels like, it almost feels like na- it feels natural, but also it also feels like maybe they're improvising and like, okay, yeah. we're doing this. And like, well, we got to yeah. add some silly shit to it. Uh, but also yeah. feels natural because there's like things that happen in the movie where it's like, oh man, Bruce Campbell's just getting shit on. He's just a dude that works at Kmart basically, just having trying to have a good time with his wife, and just things are happening to him. And <laughs> uh, so, I mean, what happens in this movie that makes it bigger budget is that the origin of the Necronomicon. You find out like Professor Noby and his wife are at these castles they find this book they go to their cabin to like translate it and they end up bringing out the evil and so meanwhile professor noby's daughter and her significant other are coming with the remaining pages to the cabin to meet her parents who are of course dead um and they're traveling there and of course there's a long bridge to this cabin like that's, you know, it looks like 200 feet in the air. Uh, it is destroyed. So they ha- they come across two rednecks, two hillbillies that take them to the cabin. And when they get there, the parents aren't there, but they see axes. They see blood. They see dismembered body parts and they see Bruce Campbell. They don't know what happened. They think Bruce Campbell killed the parents and everybody. And so they just start attacking him and not knowing what's actually happening. But meanwhile, Bruce Campbell has been put through the ringer at this point, like not even with human contact, with evil shit and like yes. everything, blood, just chopping off his own hand. We'll get to that. But there's something about Bruce Campbell's character, Ashley J. Williams, at least in Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness, that makes him the average schmo, the average Joe character that you like. And he's just put through these horrific situations and never, he comes out on top, but almost inadvertently, but he is brave, but he he gets tossed through it. Like there's something about him that I like. Yeah, like especially when we get toward the end when he's coming out of the cellar and he's about to take on the last bit of evil 
and he just has this face. He has that presence of like an action hero that like in an, in a big Hollywood movie where you have like Tom Cruise or something in it or somebody in it, they would be like, I got this. Like you just kind of know that moment, that iconic horror or yeah, when they transform moment. When they yeah. transform into the hero because throughout the whole Evil Dead movie, he is screaming. He is going insane he is curled up in the fetal position he is laughing maniacally because of everything that's happening is so crazy but like Preston said there is that moment where he has like that you know that camera pan up from the ground up to him and he's doing something yeah yeah something cool almost kind of like a Clint Eastwood dirty hair he's gonna smoke a cigarette and like make my fucking day type of thing yeah exactly yeah (laughs) and it it works yeah (laughs) Yeah, but, but then he'll get punched in the face or something. Like he has like that want to be on that level, but his his technique and his skill levels are not quite on par, but just the heart that he has to want to be that for himself and those around him is w- really what makes him like one of the great movie characters that are out there. No, he he it it is. It so is. He's so great. Ashley J. Williams character is so good. So with with that being said, you know, let's talk a little bit about the gore, because the gore in Evil Dead one is all pretty realistic and gross. Like it's all grossly red. It's thick. It's chunky. There's like what they use, like, you know, like uh, oatmeal or like cream corn to like do gross stuff. But with Evil Dead 2 and they're going for like a sillier aspect, the blood is green, the blood is neon purple, the blood black. is black, the blood blue. Like it's it's fun. It's and it's not just like drizzling out or like spurting out. It is like Quentin Tarantino gushing out. Like it's and it's, it's a yeah. comical effect, like where somebody is getting eaten up, and you would think like 20 people's amount of blood are being spurred splashed about (laughs) yeah which which is what i prefer out of all of them because like uh before we watched the 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 movie at the alamo draft house they of course showed the trailer for the new evil dead rise that's coming out uh later in april and there's a lot of shots in that trailer where my wife was like oh my god i don't want to do this uh don't want to watch especially because it involves like kids and everything she 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 really doesn't want to watch that sort of thing and i was kind of like that at a certain point but like they were showing trailers for other movies that dealt with that uh, another horror movie that involved uh, killing kids and i can i can kind of stomach that if it's if it's handled with some sort of delicacy but uh yeah you can tell a huge difference between a lot of the other evil dead stuff even the 2013 film where you're watching people use a sharp object to slice their their tongue in half or a cheese grater to the the leg or something and it looks very authentic but i prefer the charm of like you know something like dead alive where the blood does look like they just put like red 
dye mixed with like vinegar, like the the science projects that you would make. The, in yeah, the caro syrup and caro syrup, non dairy yeah, food creamer. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the tint's a little bit lighter or creamier looking, and <laughs> the, the, there's like excessive amounts of it, especially at, at a certain point where a hand is loose on in the house, and then blood starts gushing out of the walls but it's like sprayed out in such a way where it looks like a fire hose and everybody in the audience is laughing and having a great time and that's what makes it like you can see like maybe the 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 volume of of blood might be much higher but you can just take it all in because there's a separation from reality that makes it more enjoyable and easier to digest right yeah it it is and even with it making it easier to digest and you're laughing, it's still nonetheless gross. Like it's still yeah. gory. It's still disgusting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, uh, it, and it, it's, and this one's a little more artful. Like there'll um, be, there's a shot in the work shed that I was alluding to earlier. Um, and you'll see like a silhouette of, of a killing happening or, or or dismemberment or a chainsaw to something and you'll see the blood uh hit the wall instead of seeing it directly full on so there there's some there's some artful slash fun things being had with the way that they handle the gore right yeah they did they did such a good job with this um so with with the gore we have to talk about and you know all that let's talk about Bruce Campbell's performance because some people will say Bruce Campbell's a bad actor or a terrible actor and they just are not looking like they're not they're not seeing Bruce Campbell because not so specifically the hand there's a scene in the movie where the evil gets into his hand and he has to kind of cut it off yeah. and so when the evil gets into his hand Bruce Campbell as the actor has to pretend he's this character, a human while his hand is possessed and the dynamic and the difference between his hand and the rest of his body, nobody could do that. Like that, that is like top tier acting and what he's doing with that, how he's able to make it actually look like his hand is actually possessed. Mm -hmm. Like not everybody can do that. <laughs> Right? No, no, uh, no. I don't think so at all. I think he happens to be a really good actor. I think there's a certain tone to this movie that, you know, it might be paying homage to a lot of the '80s movies that feature actual terrible actors in them, and I think that's what they're they're trying to do. Like, obviously, they're elevating the material a little bit, taking it to a ham it up to the sky kind of level. And you can tell that with a lot of the actions that he does, like especially when he's like longing for his, his wife slash girlfriend, his significant other. And she's already at this point passed on or not a version of herself that he recognizes anymore. So she's dead to him. And like, he'll have like these soap opera moments where he's like, no Maria kind of thing. Right. And, and it's great. Um, And then, yeah, he can ha handle a lot of those kinds of moments. Like he can handle extremity extremities very well. Like he can just, go to levels that it's almost like 
you know, when you watch Nick Cage and like Vampire's Kiss, you're like, I don't know if what he's doing <laughs> is really, really good or really, really bad, but it's just this in between. But you're like, how else can anybody do this? Nobody else can do this. And that's kind of what it is. That's what it is. And you, when you say he plays to Bruce Campbell plays to extremities, that is so the case when his hand is dragging him to the, the butcher's knife yeah. And he stabs it and the look on his face and of how much pain he's in, but he's able to mutter out like the amazing funny line. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. But it's like in such a painful way that like he does go to those places and like, yeah, he's, he's one of the best actors in my opinion. And he's so good in this. And even though he is doing those soap opera moments, even though he's screaming, but there are those moments where he's the, the cool Clint Eastwood character when he gets to finally say groovy for the first time, when he is telling the woman who's trying to kill him, are you listening to me? Yeah. I am done. Like that's like a switch right there. And yeah. he he's calculated. He's more calculated into each moment as it happens than, than he gets credit for. So I, I think he know he knows exactly what kind of movie he's in. It's not like we're getting somebody of like, Paul Newman level being in this to where he's going to handle every moment as realistically as possible. It, Cause it, there's moments where you're seeing absurdity happen around you at all times. And he is have he's almost like kind of winking at the audience a little bit where he's just like, I'm going to have some fun with this, but I'm, but he knows when to pull more reality into it and just kind of, like, cause like with that moment where he stabs his hand, cause you think that the, the hand has the upper hand in this moment of being able to grab <laughs> the butcher hand and chop the, his, or, or do something, kill him or whatever. And then, yeah, he has, he has the, the moment where he takes the knife with his actual hand that is connected to his body and is, is connected to his brain and stabs the, the possessed hand and has that line where he, but he delivers it in such a way where he's like, yeah, he's feeling the pain, but he's also like given the middle finger yeah. to the possessed hand and it's great. So yeah, I think he's fantastic and uh, we, we, we love him and I love all of what he does. I think he knows, like I said, he knows exactly what he's doing and uh, I love him all the more for it. I, I do too. And to, to further to go with that, with what you were saying, how he's so he knows what he's doing. He, he's so calculated in that another scene where he does show that. So there's the famous laughing scene where the the yeah. deer head laughs, the lamps laugh. So right before that, he is in a state of total shock. He is scared he's out of his mind. He's delirious. He's delirious. And so he's like. He's almost going to faint and he has to sit down. So he sits down and the chair breaks. And it's like, well, goddamn, just one more thing that like fucks yeah. with me. And he like looks up and the deer head is possessed and starts just starts laughing, not trying to attack him, just starts laughing. And shock comes over him and yeah. he sees everything, the lamp, the shade, the, the drapes, the books, the cases, the, everything is laughing at him. And it's this... I think one of the best shots in cinema that kind of like the fisheye lens of him turning to the camera, acknowledging us, yeah. everything is fucked and crazy, 
laughing maniacally with anybody being silly and dancing with these laughing demonic objects and then slowly being overcome with fear and like oh my god i'm gonna die and crying yeah to him snapping out of it when the hand (laughs) breaks out of the um out of the trash can yeah and he's back to like okay i've got to save myself and it's just Good God, if that's not acting 101, like that's genius. Yeah, I love that whole moment because it feels like an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because there's a lot of moments in here, especially with like the 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 macro lenses on eyes. With the things. eyes, yes, yes. Yeah. But with that specific moment, it does take you to the ending of Texas Chainsaw Massacre where she's screaming her head off. And it's hard to take in that moment, as we said when we did that podcast episode, where you're when you're watching that 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 ending of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the final girl is screaming her head off and you're seeing all these like shots of craziness and it's it's overwhelming to take that all in. And so what he's doing is he's acknowledging that this is completely fucked and so many crazy things are happening, but you have no other emotion to really give. You can you can just completely scream your head off, kind of like what Annie does at one point in the film where 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 evil's like trying to get inside the house and she's just like ah, ah and then it stops and then she's like ah and she just it's, and it's a different type of comedy. Yeah. Um so like him having like the knee slapping moment or like kind of dancing with the crazinesses around him he's like yeah you're trying to get a rise out of me but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh, stoop to your level a little bit he's like he he wants to kind of j- be smarter and almost like join in on the the absurdity of it all and then yeah when the hand comes in it breaks the moment to be like okay here's a focal a focus point now i can focus on this instead of just being complete chaos around you don't know what to do you're like do i just rip this deer head off the wall as it's laughing and going crazy or do i smash this book you would just be in there like gallagher going crazy and hitting the walls and everything um so i i i think it's a very what what's really great about this movie and uh, it, it reminded me a little bit just because just recently I watched uh, Flashdance. It's such a stripped down story. It's very simple. There's not a lot of complex layers to it. You know, it's all there on the surface in a way, but there are underlying things. There are things kind of in between the line that are very subtle, but they're not like just very complex for the sake of being complex. And I think that's, what's great is that you just kind of, you you're into it from uh, scene to scene and you can follow it. You're like, Oh, there's evil there. Okay. He's doing this. And then then he needs to go there. He said this line needs to go to work. Okay. So it's just very easy to follow. And I like that. It just feels like they didn't, run with the world too much because when you're dealing with like the spiritual realm of some sort or some gateway to hell there's so many things that you can do with it and there's so many movies that have have done different things with that sort of thing and i just i appreciate this movie's simplicity no that's what i like about it you say a passage demons come out they try to possess you you don't really know what it is and then the great caveat to that is that in order to get rid of the evil, you have to bring evil to 
the flesh. You have to bring it realistically into the world, which is even scarier. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was really cool, but that's that's it. That's kind of what it is. It's like you yeah. recite this thing, and evil gets into you, and you can't get rid of it. Yeah. So even when it does kind of get more complex, like especially the last moments of the film, it and you're kind of left with this like Planet of the Apes kind of head scratching moment. But then you're like, ah, oh, well, it you know it kind of does make sense. I don't have to think about it so so much about the logic because it's just what what it is is what it is i don't i don't really need to uh you know do do a lot of research i don't i don't need to think too much about it it's just it's just is what it is and that's fine and i'm on board with that i am on board with that too uh oh my goodness so with the kind of new characters it's just kind of a reboot what do you think of the annie character and her significant other what do you think of the hillbillies bobby joe and i can't remember his name but jake jake yeah uh what what, what do you think of those characters i mean i think more or less you like annie for the most part because yeah. she's you know the almost the female interest and stuff like that in the movie but everybody else just kind of seems like dicks yeah yeah but uh i they're fine they're they're just like they're they're pawns in this whole this whole game of just getting to the end and accomplishing what it needs to what needs to happen i think they're fun they have their fun moments uh like jake yeah even though uh he, he's he's a dick through most of it there there are moments like with when it with annie's luggage like they have a deal with oh since the bridge is broken down like jake is this this redneck guy and then bobby joe is 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 with him and he's like this tow truck person just kind of showing them where they can go and then when they when they when annie and her her boyfriend ed pull up um they they see that the bridge is just completely destroyed. It's bent up, evil bent it up. As soon as Ash and his his significant other arrived at the cabin and unleashed evil again, any any kind of like cabin in the woods where being able to get out and get away is impossible. Like you have to face the evil head on. You can't run away from it. You're trapped. And so, but that's the same thing for people trying to get there. It's not going to be the easiest journey. So Jake knows a trail that can get them there instead of going across the bridge, but it's just going to take some time to get there. And then Annie's like, you know, I'll give you, a hundred dollars if you show us how to get to the cabin and then you also carry my luggage and then jake looks inside the car and just sees like two small bags but then the reality is that it's a huge trunk case it's, trunk. it's like the space balls like your royal highness is matched luggage yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so so yeah there, there are moments of like that uh there's even like uh some jump scare moments where jake is like meant to like get a rise out of the audience as they're as they're watching it and but but it's a fun moment um or the the way that jake gets beat up sometimes throughout the film especially when it comes to his demise um so yeah i i think they're all kind of fun and unique like i don't exactly buy like cassie wesley deprive uh, uh i can't remember her last name uh as bobby joe and then dan hicks i i can kind of believe him more as a as a hick person um but um 
I, uh, th they're just like fun, unique characters. I don't think too much about them, um, but they're, they're fun and they have their moments. So they, yeah. they do, they do. And I love that this was the first movie where Sam Raimi got to do his eyeball thing. Like it's the stereotypical uh, eyeball pop out the yeah. first person of the eyeball going into somebody's mouth or something like that. Because we've seen that in a lot of his movies and it, yeah. it, it works perfectly. Yeah, yeah, in Bobby Joe's mouth. So yeah. yeah, they're great. And yeah, I do I do like Sarah Barry as as Annie. Um, like I already mentioned that one moment where so she with her uh trying to keep the door shut or trying to find all every place in the house that can that evil can get in, like she's she's looking for it, uh, to make sure that Bruce Campbell's possessed self doesn't get inside and so yeah that i i think sam is sam raimi that is is very good at finding the comedy in every moment and and he gives he gives ample amount of opportunity to everyone especially ash um to, to be able to do that right no he does and so with evil dead sam raimi came onto the scene and you kind of saw and you've kind of viewed for the first time like this new director showing showcasing shots that nobody had ever done, like some of the coolest angles mm -hmm. and camera movements. Do you think anything like that was happening in Evil Dead 2? I think so, especially when it comes like to my probably my favorite sequence in the film, which is Bruce Campbell when his hand starts to become possessed. And then you see him smashing plates over his face and just beating himself up. Um, and what's happening in that moment is like, there's like sped up moments or slowed down moments. He's doing some fun stuff with the film, the film rate. Um, and then same thing when it comes to like some of the more extreme effects of the film where, you know, we don't, we didn't have the technology that we have to, uh, that we have today to show, you know, a decapitated woman, uh, dancing about. And so they use like claymation and things like that to kind of sell that idea. But then when you're watching it, you're like buying into the world, like it's all kind of cartoony and fun anyway. Um, so you you just kind of go with, go with, go with the flow and, but the, the way that he goes about it with a lot of the editing it's probably a lot of stuff that inspired Edgar Wright with the way that he cuts things and yeah, in um, a lot of the close-ups and well, for uh, sure the, the with them for sure. Well, yeah, especially the groovy scene, you know, like yeah. that is completely Edgar Wright ripping that off because yeah. you know that moment in the movie where Bruce Campbell realizes he is the hero finally. He's yeah. like, okay, I've got a chainsaw. And I have a boomstick. Let's let's put it all together. And like, instead of showing somebody just kind of like working on it, it's like a close up shot of what's happening with a beat, like a musical drum beat of like yeah. it putting together over the course of like 10 seconds. And it, it it's you want to say like fucking badass, And like he does yeah. when he says groovy and it's like this big monumental superhero, Tom Cruise moment with the camera pans up, the crescendo goes and you see Bruce Campbell's face when he has his boomstick sawed off his chainsaw arm. And he just goes groovy. Yeah. And like that, like that is cinema magic. <laughs> 
Yeah, because like I said earlier, it's it's like you when it's his heart. It's it's like you knowing like oh man, it's so great, it's so incredible to see this moment and then see him hear him say that line, knowing that on the other side of this, he's gonna get his ass kicked a little bit, uh, <laughs> yeah. like a rag doll. Uh, but but uh, it'll all work out. Um, and so yeah, yeah, I, I I love I love that feel that that they they do throughout um with that with that sort of thing where like it, it just seems like sam is very in touch with what's going on with all these different types of films different genres and and in those iconic kind of moments but he puts his own little twist on it where it feels more like we're bringing you back down to earth just a little bit where instead of just being like you know, the hero saves the day and everything that they do is like so controlled, like watching a Fast and Furious movie with all of them where it just seems like they could be on the the edge of death and then still make it out alive. Even when they die, they come back. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it doesn't quite have like those kinds of things. Uh, it, it, it just has it has fun with it, but it also is just treat it knows the audience's intelligence like and, and i appreciate that i do too i do too so at the very end annie and ashley j williams they're they're the ones left bruce campbell uh and they're reciting the passages to get rid of the evil but first they have to recite the passage to bring it to human form into the real world so you can physically see it and when this happens Annie dies. She recites the last passage to get rid of it. And you think, oh, okay, cool. Like the sun's not going to take it away. The sun takes it away for just a, like during the daylight, dead by dawn type of thing. Uh, but this is to get rid of it permanently. And how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, it comes into the form of a big black hole time portal that sucks everything up, including Bruce Campbell and his car. And sucks him back to the medieval ages, uh, which is foretold in the Necronomicon as a prophecy uh, that we see kind of illustrated in Evil Dead 2 in the in the book when they're reading it. And so that is where Army of Darkness begins. Bruce Campbell is sucked back to evil the medieval ages. You see all these knights in armor coming around him. You see an evil deadite demon flying in the sky. Bruce Campbell in medieval ages pulls out a shotgun, blows it to hell, and all the knights in shining armor are bowing to him. He's the one foretold from the future. And hence, a few years later, we get Army of Darkness. And it's like the perfect end to a movie because while he did survive... He is not happy. He is crying. He's like, no, this can't be happening. No, he's back. How is he going to get back? I don't know. And it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like watching, uh, what was that Leonard Cohen movie, uh, Winged Serpent or something like that <laughs> yes. with the same kind of effects. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I love that they teased to that, especially if you, if you're somebody who hasn't seen Evil Dead but you're you're aware of it like you know what what the the iconic moments or you know what he looks like what what is his wardrobe and the the weapons that he has it's fun to 
be able to watch Evil Dead 2 and see that little moment where they're teasing like, oh, they're creating like the lore, like they're creating like the history of, of this, but in a very subtle kind of way, because you see the image in 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 the book of of this hero with a chainsaw in hand. And then it's like, oh man, I wonder where this is going to go. And the way that they just kind of play with that and pull him into the black hole, then he ends up where he is, um, is, is a lot of fun. And so I, I very much enjoy uh, that, that, that tease and that, that how they put a lot of thought into where things could go. Uh, potentially and dangle it out there in such a way and i'm glad that we did get that that completion with the story with army of darkness yeah i i am so glad about that too um see our podcast on army of darkness please but evil dead 2 man still after probably 300 400 times of legitimately viewing it i still love it i laugh every time at the moment where his when he does cut off his hand and he puts the 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 trash can over it and then puts a set of books on top of it and it happens to be farewell Farewell to arms arms. no it's it's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) it's beautiful i still laugh every time he goes "Uh uh-huh that's right and i still laugh so work shed yeah that moment in the movie is pure genius to me because He's clearly dealing with some crazy shit at the moment, but he completely yeah. almost breaks character and just kind of mumbles work shed kind of just like that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, that, that's, what's kind of cool about this movie too, is that there are a series of moments or especially when things like kick up in who knows how they actually captured sound um, in, in, in those moments, but it feels like ADR a little bit. Like they just, and you can kind of hear you can hear it in the sound, especially when we watched it in the theater. You can kind of hear that it feels like they just added it in uh, lines like that uh, for the sake of like, because maybe they didn't have a lot of those things figured out. And it came together with the way that they were just like showing like warped images and stuff to kind of create some length to some moments so the movie could be at least 84 minutes uh, <laughs> so uh but but it's great it just kind of feels like they created a lot of magic in a lot of different ways you can see where they created magic on set in the moments with the characters or with the actors and then you can see them where they created magic with the editing and and yeah it's kind of loose kind of messy but it's all a part of the fun of it all. And so, yeah, with a line like that, where it just kind of feels like a, aha, uh-huh, it, it, it takes or, me to um, dude, where's my car? When, when the guys are, when the stoner bashing guys are having their little powwow and then they're like having fun. And then they're like, quick to my, my dad's, my stepdad's pickup truck. It's just like one of those like kind of right. aha moments. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. great. Work shed. It just, it, it's so good. It makes me laugh every time. Oh, good. It's so good. So let's talk a little bit about one of the big Easter eggs in the movie. So back in 1984, a movie called Nightmare on Elm Street was released. And in Nightmare on Elm Street, the original one, Nancy and Johnny Depp are those characters are watching the evil dead one movie in nightmare on Elm street during, during the film, you can see them watching it. And then as kind of like a good friendly back and forth between Sam Raimi and Wes Craven in the work shed, 
above the door is Freddy Krueger's glove. <laughs> mm-hmm. You could you'll blink, you'll miss it, but it's there. Yeah, the the love that those two probably had for each other and respected each other as artists was so great. Because even when it comes down to the final evil that's at the end of the at Evil Dead Two, like very Freddy Krueger. Yeah, it looks just like Freddy Krueger. And I love the detail of like the plants or the roses or the flowers right next to him as the evil comes into the picture, like it instantly dies. And then like Ash gets like a gray streak. A gray streak. Yeah. Yeah. So to, and it sells that effect of like, uh, like in like poltergeist where it kind of feels like you're being sucked into something or you're actually in the presence of evil in it. And it sells it uh, to, to a greater effect instead of just having this, giant weird creature thing and if it didn't have those little moments like that maybe you wouldn't feel the the presence of evil entirely so uh yeah yeah, i appreciated those touches too no i did too that was so good so let's talk about we we want you to see evil dead 2 watch it this is one you want to buy physically like buy the 4k buy the buy any set it's been released two hundred and seventy thousand times buy every copy yeah I'm a big fan of the Steelbook version of them together just because I love the cover of it. I just recently uh, sized down my collection and got rid of the individual releases that have like the original cover art on it. So I do kind of feel a little bad about it, but uh, this just having these together and to consolidate my collection a little bit or finding the original VHS. uh, Find the VHS. I do have that steel book of the Evil Dead 1 and 2. I did get rid of my individual ones. and But I do have that big limited edition gift set. That's like the big yeah. red uh, thing that like yeah. folds apart. I do have that as well. So I kept both of those. I, um, and I think you and I both have the DVD of Evil Dead 2 where it came in that that can, that can container. That the tin, the can. tin can, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah, that so, one uh, with a THX sign on it. I remember that. Yeah, definitely that. Yeah, very, very cool. Very cool. Uh, it's 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 a good thing. So Alamo Drafthouse, they do these movie party screenings. They do these retro screens and Evil Dead 2 was one of them. And so let's talk about our experience at Alamo yeah. Drafthouse. The movie itself was great. Like it was yeah. fine. I loved it. There's something about, I don't know. And maybe this is me. And I'm going to be candid. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I know that I am truly spoiled with what I do professionally. Like yeah. I get to see movies beforehand. I usually get to see them with my fellow critics only. There are mm-hmm. no trailers. There is no lollygagging. They start the movie and it's it. I love that. With Alamo Draft House, they try to have more fun. And I'm trying to put myself in the situation of, you know, the other people other 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 audience members that are not professional critics and stuff like that do they want something like this so what happened before the screen you know alamo does their iconic and amazing pre-show of like showing clips Clips. of crazy fun movies to go beforehand so after that starts after that ends it's time for the movie start they show trailers okay i get it i don't want to see trailers necessarily for a retro screening i just kind of want the movie to start but okay Give me that. But then somebody they get to host these things has to come out for like 20 minutes and do something. And at least 
at my screening at the Alamo Draft House Cedars, the host was not good whatsoever. It was like he didn't want to be there. He was not energetic. And he didn't kind of know what he was talking about with Evil Dead 2. It was really strange. It was yeah. almost like he was trying to read off a card. And then he had to do I wonder a- if we had the same guy. So this guy was a bigger guy, and he said he was an acting coach. Okay, then we didn't. So, um, and he got the audience to say, like, you know, yell out your favorite lines in the movie. And so, of course, I yelled out Workshed, to which he did not know what Workshed was. And the audience members didn't know that either. But when Workshed happened in the movie, they all kind of turned around to me and laughed and applauded, which was like, okay, what happened? Um, And then... He got he got, he had to get volunteers and for people to reenact uh, the the famous hand demonic possession scene for like he's like come up here and do your breast Bruce Campbell hand demonic scene yeah and three people came up and did it and it I don't know people didn't really put themselves into it except for maybe the last guy who actually did the flip on the ground mm-hmm. but to that like the winner like it wasn't. It didn't seem like I feel like you and I would have made like if we were put in charge of like hosting something, we would have made everybody feel special. We would have brought the energy to it. The energy wasn't there. And then when he was giving stuff out, he had too much stuff. So he just started throwing them out like just like, Mm. oh, yeah, whatever. And they finally started the movie. And I was like, man, this movie was 84 minutes. Like, why did this thing why this whole experience have to take like two hours and 15 minutes like i don't i would rather have just the movie happen and but that's me being spoiled i don't know if you had the same uh the same thing with your screening so yeah pretty much a lot of the same things did happen it did have the pre-show reel which i do enjoy those i think that, that that's great and the 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 clips that they bring together for those moments are great. So if you can arrive to a lot of these big, especially retro screening movie parties, they'll put together these really unique show reels for that, where they just go to the deepest, darkest places of the internet. Uh, Sometimes they're showing like original ads and toys or something like that, that might be associated with the film, but then they'll find like things that are either inspired by or, um, either inspired Sam Raimi in making the movie or after they saw Evil Dead or any of the Evil Dead movies, they were inspired to do this sort of thing. And so it's fun uh, to see that sort of thing. Um, But, you know, a lot of times the audience isn't necessarily paying attention. They're trying to figure out what food they want to order and that sort of thing. But if you just happen to look up, you'll see some fun images and things like that. So I do always enjoy that. Um, Yeah, it is. I mean, I understand it from a business perspective that they have to show trailers, but for something like this where, yeah, you expect some host to come out and do some sort of thing or do a contest, do a chat of some sort, it's going to take more time. And so the, the they're, Alamo's trying to promote the movies that are show, uh, that are coming. to For them to show Evil Dead Rise coming out, I understand that. They they would have to show that and that could have been part of the pre-show reel or something like that and would have been fine. Or if they just showed like, you know, their normal uh, Alamo reel uh, yeah. to kind of 
uh, logo thing that they do, uh, promo video, and then they just put the Evil Dead Rise and then they get into what they need to get into, then that would have been fine. Um, I mean, I did see like some trailers that I hadn't seen before. And so uh, that was just interesting to me. But yeah, it's hard to kind of separate the fact that you are a film critic and you're well in tune with a lot of these movies that are coming out and we've already seen these trailers for the most part. Um, but like I said, Alamo needs to sell more tickets for or make general audiences aware of that sort of thing. But in most cases for something like this audience, uh, evil, there are evil dead fans come into this movie. They've seen it a hundred times in most cases, or maybe they're introducing uh, or having a passing of the torch kind of moment with their kid. Like I knew somebody else that was at my screening and they brought, I assume they were showing their kid uh, for the first time, this movie that meant a lot to them or for their relationship. Um, So there's a lot of things like that happening. And so to have, a host come out and be knowledgeable of the franchise or know the movie. Uh, and some, I had the same case where I had a host come out and it was, he was either reading from note cards or just had this kind of like, don't care attitude that was very unappreciated where he's like, they can't pay me enough. They, the only reason why I'm doing this is just because they paid me. And, and it, to, to some people that, Hey, that might be funny to them. But to have somebody who knows all the jokes of the franchise and that would be like something like you saying Woodshed, like if if you were hosting something like this, I can imagine you kind of rolling with the punches of or, or finding a way to quote the material or know some story like he was like reading uh, quotes from Wikipedia and it just didn't seem like he, like he, he spoke about the the West uh, West Craven and Sam Raimi relationship and then but delivered it in such a way where like it, like the people next to me like, like yeah I knew that um, but it, even if you're like sharing information that maybe a lot of these audience members uh, know about you can do you can do it in such a way where it is fun um, and and you can have a certain energy to it. Um, so I, I would say that if they were going to continue to do this sort of thing, make sure that the people Perfect. that you have that are moderating or hosting the screening know what they're doing. Um, know, know the material well enough to where, because like I said, these people know this, know this movie and they want to be able to feel like they're have they're, they're hanging around a bunch of other people uh, that are just as enthusiastic about the movie. Um, so you the 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 greatness of the experience came from just watching the movie itself with the audience who know the lines and can laugh at the moments. And so that's what made the experience the experience for me. Um, not so much the doing the having the host come out and do because our host didn't throw anything out into the um into the crowd or that's so we already had our props on the table like and that maybe that was the case for you that we already had the chainsaw we already had the notebook we already had the the candy eyeball the only thing that was kind of funny that the host said was that uh He's like, if you open up the 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 candy wrapper for the candy eyeball, he's like, it smells terrible, but but it tastes okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that 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 was pretty good. Like that was the kind of energy that I was wanting it for. But it was just a little glimpse of a moment. Um, 
Another thing that I might suggest, uh, and I'm sure we'll go back to some of the stuff that was discussed prior to, uh, to this, and, and I want to get to uh, what happened during uh, our audience doing the possession possessed hand contest, is um, I... I wanted more moments throughout the film where like uh, Alamo came up with some rules or like when to bring out the chainsaws. All right, everybody take your chainsaw. Like just have somebody like says standing by. Right. Um, And so I was the only one in my screening that when the chainsaw happened, I put my chainsaw hand on and lifted it up and was like excited. I was the only one. I was like, wait, what, why, where's the party at? What there needed something like that. Yeah, like they gave us the props, but no instructions on when to bring out this sort of thing. Like, uh, our, but Alamo's done this sort of thing before where I remember when we went to Fantastic Fest and we saw the guests and like uh, the studio bought like fireball shots for everybody. And it's like, all right, everybody, make sure you take your fireball shot when they do it in the movie. Like, it's just like sorts of things like that. Like they could they could go over the, the host could go over the rules of being like, because we got a, a movie party prop list and it's on a card it tells us about the the props it has that fun kind of language in it but it could also just tell you uh every time you see the chainsaw in the movie everybody lift up your chainsaws every time you see the eat your candy eyeball when the eyeball scene just something to make it feel like it's a party because it just felt like hey we got all our supplies here but we didn't know what to do with them Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. And I, that was so frustrating for me because when we got there, um, the Necronomicon booklet was on there and the the foam hand chainsaw plus the little card prop. But nobody had candy eyeballs. And when they brought up the people to do the hand um, Possession. hand reenactment. Possession. The guy, the guy who was hosting pulled candy eyeballs out of his pocket and was like, oh, here, here's your prize. And oh, oh, I have more of them and just threw them out in the audience like he didn't care. And it was like, dude, why are you even here? You are right. awful. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out wh- how Alamo hires people or how they get their whatever, because they're not doing a great job at that. And at least for this it, screen. It's it's probably it's tough probably as a business to do that sort of thing because you know I don't know like our 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 screening wasn't entirely sold out but there was a good amount of fans like in the main section not that are not in the front three rows they were pretty full um, but you just kind of want that respect there like they're 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 respecting like if um, I don't know find find a way to distribute your money because I also have like. <laughs> I hate that I paid seven dollars for a sprite. That kind of pissed me off a little bit. I didn't think about that sort of thing, but well, yeah, um, well, it's crazy. Yeah, but I, I there's a lot of things that you need to do as a business, and I know that a lot of businesses are trying to catch up after COVID, and they're trying to make certain decisions. Um, and so, yeah, and, I mean, we know all the stories about like it's, um, like everybody's struggling, especially food industries, like trying to get people and find enough money to pay them and that sort of thing but um but i would be willing to say put your money into maybe a host that makes it fun for everybody because after this experience even though i love the movie i don't want to go back to another one because it didn't seem like they gave a shit and but if there was a host there that made it super fun and super energetic and was like was personable with people 
I would like, that was fun. That guy was awesome. That person was great. Like, let's yeah. go back. Like he made it fun to have a party, which is how they build this in Evil Dead yeah. 2 party. It was not a party. So yeah. um, that's, I hope that can change. Yeah, yeah. And and I I have been to, like, for instance, it, it, they probably put a little more into when I went to go see Reanimator and I did the Reanimator experience, but they also had the cast in town because it was also Texas Frightmare Weekend. And so those tickets were a little bit more. I think it, I want to say it was like 30 or something dollars and something like this and maybe like 10 or 12 dollars. Um, I, I, I can't remember what the price is on the, the movie parties, but they're just a little bit more cause you're also, you're getting the props and things like that. Um, but yeah, if it has movie party in its title, you want it to be more than just, if this were just the evil dead Two experience, like it, cause to me, it just feels like they had leftover props from a more fun experience that they've had. And they just kind of l- let us take those home. But um, yeah, th- there is certainly potential. They have all the things in place. They just need to be able to provide that execution to make it a fun overall experience. And and like I said, I, with, with the reanimator thing, that one was a lot of, that one was a lot of fun because the audience was you know they, they were probably hamming it up a little bit because they knew that the cast was like hanging out in the lobby or maybe they were popping in every once in a while during certain scenes and so everybody was very enthused and it was a lot of great fun but then afterwards they had a live q a um so um yeah yeah I, I i've been i've been to movie party experiences when when it's when it's worked out um but this is just it just seemed like with this one it did, unfortunately didn't work out for both of us, but I, I, I think they're that they, they like I said they they can't they have the potential there to 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 do it if they just provide those little tweaks it'll take it all the way. Agreed, agreed. Um, and you were going to talk about the oh, the oh. hand reenactment. Yeah, yeah. Ours was kind of the same same way. Like my suggestions for that sort of thing. Like when it came to. Um, for them calling calling on volunteers like hey i think with something like that you don't want to surprise the audience or those people that come up with like all right we're gonna do a possessed hand uh reenactment we're gonna do a contest here like i'd be absolutely terrified if i was just like if he was just because that's all he said he was like i need uh volunteers i need three volunteers to come up here um but i guess when you're volunteering you should know that anything can happen like just kind of expect anything to happen but i think i would say like all right everybody we're gonna have a possessed hand contest do i have any volunteers that want to come up here and just really go at it give me your best ash or just like like that that's the language that you can have to kind of get right you get into it and you show can show them like do you could go crazy don't hurt yourself but go crazy this is play the music or something like he even if it was off the cuff, the guy could have been like, all right, I'm going to pull, we're going to be a little silly here. I'm going to pull up the soundtrack. We're going to play this and then, and then put it in the microphone. Just have, because ours felt awkward. Like, no, felt ours awkward. was awkward too, because the horrible, terrible host did not give a shit. And so he just like, we're, he didn't tell anybody what we were doing until the three people got down there. And he was like, yeah, just, uh, we're doing the, the, the scene in the evil good dead hand thing. Try to do that. And then when the first guy did it, the guy said, well, I'm an acting coach. And so you could do this. And I was like, oh, my God, what a jackass. And uh, it, it was 
it was just like very off putting and I like couldn't wait for it to be over and it wasted time to be honest. But like with what you said, be, this is your job. Be into it. You're supposed to be excited about it. Yeah. 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 It's just, it was just unfortunate. So all, all the greatness came from just the audience. So like even the volunteers who, who, who were up there, two of them I knew, um, who did it and the, and they were fun um like everybody just kind of did the 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 roll, roll on to the ground thing and then you would see the hand because there's i don't know i, I imagine it's hard to kind of come up with like something to do something original um and so a lot of it was like kind of like pity claps and things like that but it it, it they probably would have went into it a lot more and probably had more fun if yeah you had a host there that was just like providing because oh, oh oh you're doing the hand thing oh oh look they're doing something unique here like just have somebody like calling football shots or something like that that was a little more engaged with it um and then and then maybe they could sit, have a line of like hey do a demonic voice do a demonic voice i know i, I know we were just going to do like uh like like just hand things but i want i want i want to hear it. give me some vocalization like just like something like if you had somebody there that was just like kind of being your hype man and uh as you were doing all this ridiculous stuff, like it would have been fun. That would have been memorable. Yep. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So the movie itself, unbelievably great 10 stars out of 10 stars, (laughs) the experience at the Alamo draft house lackluster. Yeah. Yeah. But like we said, there, there is certainly potential there. Like they, they have all the things and we have seen them do it before, but uh, it just, it didn't quite work out this time around, but um. Alamo's going to have plenty of movie parties coming up. I've had great experiences at the brunches because they're not quite at this level. They're just like, hey, we're going to give you exclusive uh, menu for you to eat uh, brunch food and get mimosas. Like, that's fun. Like, but the, you know, you're watching something like The Apartment, like I watched earlier this year. Not You're not watching The Evil Dead over mimosas. Um, <laughs> but, but they have other, like, you can look at their calendar and they have like a, a clueless champagne uh, party type of thing and uh all kinds of stuff happening yeah they have days of confused they have al Al pacino month april chino they're showing a couple al pacino movies yeah like those could be fun those can be a lot of fun so it 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 may you may be rolling the dice a little bit here and there and, and maybe we're putting thoughts in your head about like how to look for these sorts of things but I think uh, there 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 have certainly been plenty of cases or plenty of experiences I've had at the Alamo where they've had movie parties and they've been great. So um, if you, I think I've had fun at some of those because uh, I've been to a Dazed and Confused one before and it, it's been a lot of fun. But I also love the movie a lot. It's one of my favorite movie of all time. So um, yeah, just look at their calendar on DraftHouse.com and. I can't remember the exact slash and everything like that, but you can type in like Alamo draft house movie party. And I think you can get to the, the calendar, especially in DFW area. I've written an article not too long ago where I, I, I provided that tab so you can know when to look for it. Um, but yeah, they have a lot of fun things have coming up and I'm, I'm excited about them uh, despite this uh, movie party experience. But uh, yeah, we hope, we hope that we, Gave you the information that you needed to hear. Um, we wanted to be honest about it. And we know that they, they've they done better in the past. But yeah, Evil Dead 2 is a great movie. 
Evil Dead 2, great movie. We're so happy we did it on my bloody podcast. Oh my God, Preston, it's so much fun doing this with you. You want to lead us out? Do I want to lead us out? I don't know. You always do such a great job with, uh, and I've always wanted to call, uh, mention this before. Like you spend a lot of time on me and it makes me feel very, you know, melts my heart a little bit. Like you're mentioned, you're calling me a legend and I'm not a legend. <laughs> I'm, he's I'm a legend just... in his own mind and mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just another dude. Trust me. I, I, I just, me and Brian are very passionate about movies. We know we have fun together. We love each other's company, especially when we're going to see movies together because we can just laugh and we can make shitty movies great and great movies greater. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm going to focus on you, Brian, first. You can find Brian Kluger all over the internet, apparently. He's doing you porn. I think that's the main site that you need to find him at. Very He's, fetishy. Yeah, yeah. He does movie reviews in the nude. And... <laughs> He's, he's taking he's taking shots like he he does like these whatnot things on on the internet where he's auctioning off stuff but he's also doing that in the nude too oh yes uh, and, and, sh- and shots he, he no no request uh will will go unheard like it's true <laughs> yeah so, so that's a great idea do movie reviews in the nude i mean good god it's a great idea i can't believe matt a friend of our show Matt Mungle did that one interview where he took his shirt off to do it <laughs> yes. because it was part of the movie. Yeah, I, I still can't believe he did that. So, hey, he beat us to the punch. And that's uh, so fo- follow in his footsteps. I will. I, guess, I will. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can find Brian Kluger at highdefdigest.com. He's doing all kinds of uh, reviews on their theatrical Blu-ray. He really gets into it. He makes you understand. He makes you feel smart. He makes you feel like you know what you need to know before going in the movie. He knows how to write about. He, he can capture what what kind of feeling you have when you're leaving it. He can also, if it comes to a Blu-ray or a 4K review, he can make you understand that technology, even if you're a dummy. Like you, you'll you'll walk into a store and be like, "Hey, how's what kind of sound bar do I need?" Like you, he'll he'll give you the exact verbiage so you can sound like a pro going in there to get what you need to get to be able to have the best experience you need to have at your house. So yeah, he's doing that at HighDefDigest.com. We're still posting all these podcasts on Boomstick Comics, I believe, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. And he's on Twitter at Brian Kluger. And he's also on Instagram at Brian Kluger. He's doing all these little fun promo videos. He's doing the things that I don't have the time for. Like he did a great display of the April happenings at the Alamo with all the props that we got mailed a uh, prop box that just had all the stuff for like we got a nice little April Chino mug dude that mug is amazing by the way I love <laughs> it, that mug. it is so good <laughs> so thank you thank you so much Alamo Draft House for giving us giving us that we love that um so he did a great promo video for all the props and all the happenings for Alamo Draft House that are happening over the next month but he's also doing a lot of like DJ stuff uh every Wednesday from 12 to 2 p.m central time so 
follow him on Twitter and Instagram to know when that's happening and what and what he has uh, specially programmed for those sets because they can be all kinds of fun stuff. He's done Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen <laughs> movies, and so and I, that was one of my favorite sets. But um, so he he he's he's very thoughtful, and I love him, and so I really wanted to take some time to focus on all his stuff. And so yeah, you can find me on dittonrc.com. That's Ditton Ricker Chronicles. Big paper in the North Texas area. Most of the movie stuff doesn't find its way in print anymore these days. That's just kind of like the sad reality of it all. But I I love the paper. They give me a lot of freedom to do whatever I want to do on, on the internet. So they give me the home to put all my video interviews up on there and that sort of thing. But also I'm at I'm the features editor of freshfiction.tv and we're that's another home for all my interviews and Blu-ray reviews. I've been posting some of these podcasts on there because I've, especially on our other podcasts, Fear and Loathing in Cinema, those movies are, are rotten and a lot of them are great. And I think they need to have their a, a point boost on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'll post it on there so we can give them that, that, that opportunity. Anyway. Yeah, those are where you can find us. I'm also on Instagram at Blu-ray Dad. I'm on Twitter at Preston Barda, more active on Instagram. So if you like the show, you like what we're doing, you like our energy, you want to see us do this thing or that thing, hit us up on our social media channels. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, there you go. The end. Damn, Preston. Thank you. I just just am so heartwarmed and want to get naked for you. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. We'll be back next time. Thank you so much.